Hey friends, it's Meg. Just wanted to let you know at the top of the episode that I set up my mic wrong when we recorded this, so it sounds not great. I hope you'll still listen to it. Victoria did a lot of great research for this, so please don't let my technological difficulties keep you from hearing what she has to say. So, without further ado, here's the episode. Sorry! Hello, and welcome to Impure Rethought. My name is Victoria, aka Vika. And my name's Meg. And that's Dimitri. (laughs) Right on cue. Um, (laughs) I would like to say two things before we start beginning, which is that I have my air conditioner on and I'm not turning it off. So if you you hear that, that's what it is. It is so hot here right now. If there's worrying on like either or both of our tracks, please disregard and... Um, yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah. The humidity is so gross. Yeah. Um, and secondly, Dimitri has discovered a toy. It's not a new toy. It's an old toy, but it's one that makes a noise. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, he like pulled it out of his pocket dimension or something. <laughs> and um, so you may hear like little chirps and it's not a real bird. It's Dimitri's toy. All the time. <laughs> has nothing to think about except thoughts. So, he loses touch with reality and lives in a world of illusions. Where did you get this pure thought and impure thought business? Who are you to decide what is pure and impure? This is the way life is made. There's nothing pure, there's nothing impure. Life is just the way it is. It's for you. Culture that is obsessed with and prioritizes a separation from and control of natural human desire. Welcome to Impure Rethought, as we said. Um, this is a podcast about the ways purity, patriarchy, and profit have shaped our culture. That's true. That's exactly and today, what it's about. What are we talking about? We are doing uh, Communism Part 2. So the first episode went up briefly before we started recording this, um, which was just a little bit about kind of the history of communism. And then today we're going to get into sort of like Western ideas towards communism and how it became the dirty word that it is today. So I can't wait. Oh, we forgot um, our housekeeping things. I forgot oh, them. True. I moved, I <laughs> That's <laughs> moved okay. Ahead. Um, if you want to support us, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Impure mm-hmm. Thought. Um, you can also email us if you have any questions or like topic ideas or anything or just want to say hello. True. You can leave us a review. Yes, we would really appreciate that. You can join our Discord also. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so at the end of last episode, I asked you about a leader in the U.S. who was very influential on communism. I asked if you wanted to guess who it was. Um, We're not going to talk about him right away, but I want you to be thinking about it because I am going to ask you when we move into it. Okay. Thank you for the so, heads up because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I only remembered because I listened to the episode before this. Mm, yeah, I like trimmed the episode this week and <laughs> took note 
then, literally two days ago, I finished it um, and was like, ooh, I better think about that. And then it just promptly <laughs> left my brain. Valid. So why, when do you think that Christians became so staunchly opposed to communism as a political movement? Wait, why or when? When. We kind of talked about why last episode. Yeah. I would guess around the 50s. Mm-hmm. You want like a clip, like a more exact year? <laughs> nope, that's, that's okay. pretty on on brand it was the end the end of the 1940s into the 1950s was when it really solidified uh which is because the cold war happened and like that's when the red scare happened the early rhetoric on communism and christianity is inconclusive there wasn't a huge opposition until the cold war and there's actually communist movement in the u.s with the most extensive historical reporting getting in the late 1800s and continuing through 1946 coincidentally the time that the red scare started so uh like i remember that communist was a fairly common uh party registration in like the the 1920s mm-hmm. um for u.s citizens and I, I remember talking about this when we talked about the red scare in school and how there were a lot of people that had like registered as a communist when they were like 19 or whatever that were mm-hmm. all of a sudden under like great scrutiny um of course yeah <laughs> and something else you mentioned in our last episode is that there are missions to mission trips to like Russia and like former communist countries. Um, also with our enemy of the cast, Billy Graham, um, doing his crusades. <laughs> um, and I just want to read a quote from this article about um, Russia's religious revival. But Western evangelicals who flock to Russia, hoping to save it from themselves, find them save it from itself, find themselves in an awkward position. Ironically, they act as a missionary force that tries to sever Russian Orthodoxy from its traditional moorings, and in the process could inadvertently transform the present religious revival into yet another victory for secular secularism. Just as their well-meaning counterparts are intent on building capitalism capitalism in Russia, a project no less heroic than that of building communism, Western religionists are determined to bring the Reformation to a country that missed its chance at religious reform in the 16th century. But the Russians have seen all this before. Was not the Bolshevik Revolution a drive to impose Western Enlightenment on the Dark East and to replace its backward moors with the imported prescriptions for universal happiness? Um, which I thought was a an interesting piece of criticism because yeah like (laughs) yeah i feel like christianity like always has like a messaging or at least evangelical christianity specifically i mean Mm -hmm. you know that's anyway (laughs) evangelical (laughs) christianity has like a messaging problem because they both want you to be a christian but also not the wrong kind of christian yeah they're like you have to be this very specific like, you have to have Brand. this very specific set of beliefs mm-hmm. and follow these very specific rituals and whatever. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, well, how about 
maybe if I'm like a Catholic and they're like, no, <laughs> you need Jesus. Catholics don't care about Jesus, and they're like, they do actually. <laughs> it's like that's no, like their whole I, thing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You, they like, yeah. And then if you're a Baptist, like, um, oh, what's another? I can't even think of another <laughs> evangelical. Um, uh, Episcopalians? So, yeah. Well, I don't there know. goes my whole metaphor, but, you know, <laughs> like, even within evangelicalism, like, yeah. no one can agree. It's just a mess. Anyway. It reminds me, it reminds me a lot of what we talked about in the moder- martyrdom episode, where, like, you can be a Christian, but if you're the wrong kind of Christian, then you're literally the Antichrist. Yes. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It's mind-blowing to me. Um, So mission trips to Russia actually still happen today. And I was just like, I mean, they probably don't happen now, but they have um, because of the war. But so I was just like, like Googling around trying to find um, a mission trip to Russia. And I found this is from Annunciation Baptist Church, which is like a, online baptist organization mm-hmm. um and yeah, they said familiar yeah and they said uh they on their website their mission is kind of like to bring the baptist church to russia and uh they said in the 1970s and the 1980s a small group of christians parentheses baptists appeared in the area of the modern annunciation baptist church there was only one official baptist church in moscow in that communist times and others were not allowed i don't know who wrote this but they like have terrible grammar by the way um in 1987 20 christians headed to nikolai Nikolai Epishin and led by Holy Spirit dared to establish a church. The Annunciation Baptist Church was officially registered. An old wooden house became the first house of prayer, which is um Moscow has a lot of churches in it, but they're <laughs> Eastern Orthodox churches. So well, those aren't Christian. That's actually the Antichrist. Um yeah. because the cross is the wrong shape. Um <laughs> In the 1990s, the rise of the church and construction of the new building, and in 2000, the new building of the Annunciation Baptist Church was opened as a living witness of the miracles God made. Uh, They proclaim that their mission is to bring the gospel to the world and influence the people in our location as a living witness of Jesus Christ. Um, So, there's a lot going on there. So much. So much going on. Um, we also talked about this briefly in the last episode, but communism actually sprang up in a lot of places which were former colonies. So consider like Vietnam, Korea, Cuba, uh, lots of African countries had their own communist regimes as well. They didn't always last with many countries, including Portugal and Greece, sliding into dictatorships in the 1970s. Um, and some scholars consider the truly devastating effects of communist regimes, those that are social and cultural via communist ideological indoctrination, stating that the central planning of the Soviet experiment sought to construct a system of totalitarian perfection where feedback and self-limitation were excluded. So to translate that a bit, they basically mean that the Soviet goal was to have a 
perfect society where nobody could dissent at all. And yes, meow, <laughs> meow, meow. Mm-hmm. So the ways colonialism and communism, particularly Stalin-era communism, were enforced actually had a lot in common with similar repression of dissenting and indigenous groups. Um, I'm going to read a quote now. I want to say this is by an article by Jerry Pankhurst, who has written a lot about communism, um, but all of my sources are in the show notes. I didn't write the source down in the document I'm looking at, but this is a quote is the important thing. While colonialism is thought to be generally violent, communist rule, especially in the USSR under Stalin, was sustained on an unimaginably huge scale. Seven million executed, five million dead of government-induced famine, 15 million sent to the gulag. The terror in Hungary from 1950 onwards trials, fines, imprisonment, deportation, etc., encompassed at least a tenth of the population, and probably not a single family was left untouched by it. It was only after the fall of Ceausescu, who is a Romanian dictator, that the world was able to witness the scope of the damage his regime had inflicted on Romanian society. In the countries of Central Europe, violence was much diffused, and people seldom suffered physical harm. However, the psychological pressure of living under constant fear was a cause of continual deprivation. Deprivation. People had to face a tormenting loss of privacy and living under the authority of constant lies and force the collaboration of the whole populations with the regime. Unlike the colonial masters, the communist dictator sought, and to a certain degree achieved, substantial public participation and support for the regime. Colonialism expected the full obedience and consent of the ruled. On the other hand, while Central and East European communist rule at a certain stage developed into a conspiracy of society in general, the colonial disposition meant throughout its existence a conspiracy against society. Though the limitation on freedom and the level of crime against human dignity may have been comparable, the level of social, material, and human harm caused by colonial rule was exponentially larger. It is also important to note that communist regimes managed to colonize some countries of the South in the Mm mid-1970s. So, basically, what I take... What I take away from that is that communism and colonialism both had roots in nationalism and expansionist desires, Mm -hmm. but because communism was coming from, well, at least purportedly coming from a place of equalizing, um, don't get me wrong, communist regimes, not good. Like, it it was bad. Um, But because they came from a place of equalizing, although the methods were violent, there were still sort of gains to be had for the common man, which is kind of the opposite of what colonialism did. Um, thoughts? Um, I guess I, like, had never really thought about, um, well, regimes in general, like, not just, mm-hmm. not just communist ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. I True. feel like have a lot in common with, um, colonialism yeah but i'd never really thought about the link between communism and colonialism specifically Mm. yeah so it's just it's interesting to consider trying to think if i like have anything interesting to say about this (laughs) um not no 
and nothing nothing's <laughs> come into mind so that's okay <laughs> so when did christianity become synonymous with democracy was the other question that i wanted to consider there's a quote that is commonly attributed to karl marx um which i couldn't find any actual source on whether he said this or not um but people believe that he said it so my it's my object in life is to dethrone god and destroy capitalism uh honestly love <laughs> a lot of this has to do with what happened directly after world war Two. so the soviet union after world war Two uh was kind of not in great favor with the western nations um and specifically nato is founded uh this is straight from nato's website by the way they have this all up on their website it is often said that the north atlantic treaty organization was founded in response to the threat posed by the soviet union this is only partially true in fact the alliance's creation was part of a broader effort to serve three purposes deterring soviet expansionism forbidding the revival of nationalist militarism in Europe through a strong North American presence on the continent and encouraging European political integration. Um, there's a lot going on there to me. And I think it is wild that that is on NATO's website. <laughs> but it, like, in what way? Like, what do you mean by that? A, br a brief history of NATO is what this... Uh, is from and i think it's wild that they were just kind of like yes this organization was formed to combat the soviet union and also we had to come to europe and save them because mm. they can't rebuild on their own yeah um like i don't it feels very like like 1950s-esque to me i can't believe that's up there in 2022 yeah um but it's true so, also, if you don't know what NATO is, NATO is the, uh, like, alliance treaty thing that says if one country attacks a country in NATO, then it's considered an attack against them all. So it's, like, basically a military alliance treaty. Uh, this is also why people are currently pushing for Ukraine to join NATO, because if Ukraine was a NATO state, then, like, all of Europe would have to, like, lend them military assistance. Um, which mm, I have opinions on, but... Yeah. Do you have, like, a time. list in front of you of exactly which countries are... It's a lot of them. Yeah. I don't I don't have a list of like exactly which countries are in NATO, but like I know I think Finland is not a NATO country and neither is Sweden, I want to say, but it's like mm. it's like a lot of western European countries um and then not that many eastern European countries. I I want to say that most countries that are in the EU are also part of NATO, mm. but I could be wrong about that. Um, I know, like, France, Germany, not, maybe not Germany, I don't know. France is definitely in NATO. Uh, the UK, the US, Poland, something like that. Okay. Um, I'm sure people can look it up if, yeah, if they yeah. want to. <laughs> so, Europe had been left economically devastated by World War II, and the US resolved to help them fix that via the Marshall Plan. 
NATO is created in 1949 in response to the Soviet Union interfering with elected governments. Um, and the Western European Union is created in 1954. That eventually involves into the European Union that we know today. Um, the theater of NATO moves from Europe to the Middle East following the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan in 1979 and the wars in former Yugoslavia in the 90s. Um, here's another quote from NATO's website. In Afghanistan, as in Bosnia and Kosovo, allies have seen that military power is not enough to ensure peace and stability. Peacekeeping has become at least as difficult as peacemaking. During the Cold War years, allied security had entailed the defense of the North Atlantic allies. Now the definition of security has radically expanded to include the individual's freedom from the violent extremism bred by instability and nation-state failure. For instance, much of the world's attention in 2011 was focused on the crisis in Libya, where NATO played a crucial role in helping to protect civilians under attack from their own government, as mandated by the United nations. The level of violence used by the Libyan security forces against pro-democracy protesters was such that the international community agreed to take collective action. Indifference was simply not an option. Um, so since its founding in 1949, the NATO claims that its function has evolved. Um, in the 1950s, it was purely a defensive organization. In the 1960s, it became a political instrument for detente. In the 1990s, it was a tool for the stabilization of Eastern Europe and Central Asia through the incorporation of new partners and allies. And in the first half of the 21st century, NATO says that they face an ever-growing number of new threats. As the foundation stone of transatlantic peace and freedom. NATO must be ready to meet these challenges. Um, your face right now. Okay, what do you think about that, Meg? <laughs> okay, so the main thing that like I'm making a face <laughs> about um, was the like increasing number of threats that NATO mm -hmm. claims to face. It's just like it's the same rhetoric to me. That mm -hmm. is like Christians are increasingly persecuted, or like <laughs> yes, the U.S. is yeah. I guess the same like facing increasing threats. Um, I guess you could also attribute that to like, and this is maybe my bias showing because I think that this is true. Is mm -hmm. like the U.S. is facing increasing threats against democracy, mm -hmm. um, but. They're not coming from the Middle East. No. So we're just like, yeah, it's coming from the like, call is coming right from inside the house. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just like one annoying rhetoric to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so unspecific. Mm -hmm. And you can just say that and blame anyone. And then it's like, oh, threats are increasing. Yeah. Okay. We got to do something about it. And it's like, can yeah. we have a list of threats? exactly where we think they're coming from what are they threatening you know like the lack of specificity is what mm -hmm. really is so annoying to me <laughs> because yeah you can make whatever argument if you're not specific about it I think to be it's kind of like if I went up to you and like punched you in the face and then you punched me back and I would be and I would start crying and be like how could you do that to me yeah. Like, that's kind of what NATO feels like to me. 
of us like sticking our hands in literally everyone's business and then like mm-hmm. the people there dissent in any way yeah it's exactly mm-hmm. like what you just said we're like mm-hmm. why are you attacking me like i did this for your own good yeah like i also i didn't put the, it wasn't like relevant to to communism but on nato like truly nato's website was just like mind-blowing to me because i feel like a lot of times when you go on government websites they like they try to kind of couch things and uh nato didn't do that at all they were just like (laughs) yep we were we were founded against the soviets and we did great things by in by interfering in all of these foreign countries and i was just like wow a sign that their propaganda against the soviet union was successful because like (laughs) then they don't really have to hide that because they've been um, promoting the same propaganda for 70 years. Yeah, so long. So they have all Mm -hmm. this stuff to back it up, according to them. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Backing up my own hypothesis with my own evidence. Yep. (laughs) Uh, It's very scientifically sound. Um but they had a they had a section on their website about 9/11 um oh. and how like NATO responded to 9/11 and like the invasion of Iraq and I was just like hmm there's there's a lot going on here I would imagine <laughs> yeah um so the United Nations is the other big thing that is established after World War II. Um, it's conceived at the Dunbarton Oaks Conference in 1945 as another way to maintain peace in Europe after World War II. Um, it had a predecessor, actually, the League of Nations, which had failed to prevent war. So the Soviet Union is included in the United Nations, but they aren't thrilled about it because they didn't feel like the League of Nations was that effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, as a reminder, the Soviet Union lost 20 million people in World War II. So it's like, this is also the reason that there are a lot more women in Russia today than there are men. It's because like a lot of the men died in World War II. So there's yeah. a lot more like older women than men. Um, oh, and I hadn't yeah. heard that about Russia before. Yeah, it's not very well known, but like when you go there, you definitely notice it. There's like very few old men in Russia. Um, That's so sad. I know. Um, and then the Soviet Union. So Stalin thinks that the other nations will use the United Nations as a way to act against the Soviet Union, which he was right about. Yeah. Um, there are there are five permanent nations on the Security Council: China, France, Russia, the U.S., and the U.K. All of these nations have nuclear weapons. Um, so they, the Security Council. I'm honestly like not super sure what exactly they do, but I think they're in charge of like maintaining world peace, which is uh, interesting, um, since all of those of nations. Nuclear. <laughs> yeah. All of those nations have been involved in wars in like the last 10 years. So yeah. Yeah. Um, in 1991, after the dissolution of the Soviet Union seat, the, uh, dis- the dissolution of the Soviet Union, the seat was transferred to the Russian Federation. As far as I know, they're still on the Security Council, but I'm not sure if that has changed with 
the war in Ukraine. Um, mm. So the Soviet Union um, was not, again, not thrilled with the United Nations, and they protested after the Soviet Union invaded Iran. Um, they protested that the matter was brought before the Security Council and issued their first veto in connection with the case. Um, and the Soviets soon came to use the UN as an arena to combat anti-Soviet measures. So by the fall of 1947, the Soviets had cast 17 of the 18 vetoes issued in the Security Council. Mm. Um, does anything stand out to you about the United Nations? It's okay if it doesn't. (laughs) Okay, yeah, no, I I don't think so. I feel like I just don't really know enough about it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like like, NATO was much more of a broad, we hate you, Soviet Union thing, and the United Nations is kind of, like, not as broad, but, like, I don't know, Stalin was definitely right that they were going to use the United Nations to do anti-Soviet stuff, but, like... Yeah. Also, the Soviets, like, kept invading people, so, um, not that America can talk, but, you know. So, all right, I I would like to now take the time to uh, read you an example of modern American attitudes toward communism. This is from a, a fantastic article that I found, um, on, like, a Forbes blog. Oh, wait. Uh, First, I'm going to read you a quote from, uh, which is an expert from Communism, the Bitter Enemy of Religion, which was published by former FBI director J. Edgar Hoover in 1959. Communism is a bitter enemy of religion. Karl Marx was an atheist. He violently attacked religion as an opiate. To him, God was only a figment of the imagination, invented by the exploiting classes to drug men's minds. Lenin was also an atheist, as is Khrushchev. For this reason, the communists attack Western morality and seek to substitute a code of values destructive of the Judaic Christian way of life. Does that sound familiar to you? (laughs) Oh, yeah, (laughs) yes. Uh, Some things never die, am I right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, it makes sense with, like, Christianity and the Bible being a um, kind of guidebook for morality. Mm Mm-hmm. But the fact that Christians rely on saying things like, this person's an atheist, as, like, very overtly saying they have no morals, we can't trust them, they're evil, you know, like... It's, like, just because they have a different set of beliefs than you. I mean, I'm not trying to, like, (laughs) defend Stalin or Lenin or anything, but, like, these aren't the only people that Christians say are atheists and they mean they're evil people, you know? That's, like, yeah, it's, like, a very common talking point for, like, political leaders that you don't like to be, like, they're an atheist, which, like... Personally, for me, if if you need your morals dictated to you by anybody, I don't trust you at all. Like, yeah, um, I agree. I don't know, like, some of the best people I know and some of my favorite people are atheists and they're, like, the nicest people. So much more caring and kind and empathetic 
than like 80% of the Christians I know, you know? Yeah, 100%. Agree. Yeah. Um, we could go I on would and tell on about you this, but. my notes, but Dimitri is standing on them. Yeah. So. so, I found this article on like a Forbes blog, and I feel like it is very emblematic of how Christians think of communism. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I just want to read you a few quotes from this article. Um, I'm about to have a really fun time. So. If you're someone who thinks Christians aren't persecuted much in today's world, I have a challenge for you. Subscribe to the Voice of the Martyrs magazine, read three issues, and then let me know if you've changed your opinion. Do you remember <laughs> the Voice of the Martyrs from our martyrdom episode? Um, that's like a really old magazine. No, it's it's no. I don't I don't know when it was established, but it's okay, like still around. <laughs> That's okay. It's it's a uh an organization dedicated to persecuted Christians in today's world and they were the ones that are like more than 3 million Christians are are oh. punished every year or something. Yes, I do um, remember that. Yeah, their website <laughs> is crazy. Yeah. So um this uh this guy writes the current voice of the martyrs magazine march 2020 provides an excellent reality check for those who believe communism is on the way out and gives a drill down into recent activities in communist china after the cultural revolution from 1966 to 76 that resulted in china being placed firmly in the hands of communist control the campaign to stomp out christianity has now risen to a point where churches are routinely bulldozed christians are consistently harassed interrogated and imprisoned and pastors get disappeared (laughs) jesus provides a succinct explanation for why these worldviews and forms of governments hate christianity when he says the world dot 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 hates me because i testify of it that its seeds are evil john 7 7 oh, john 7 7 the this is the full quote of john 7 7 by the way the world cannot hate you but it hates me because i testify that its works are evil <laughs> oh my god <laughs> he cut out the most important part yeah classic Wow. Um, this is a, probably my favorite thing from this, my favorite quote from this article. It's a historically verifiable fact that when you hold God's <laughs> funeral, someone will take his place. And that replacement is always one of us. So neither a fact nor historically verifiable. But he says this in, um, in reference to like ancient God kings specifically talking about pharaohs which is funny to me because that was like way before jesus ever lived um and this is his this is his uh paragraph on this the inauguration of the communist and leftist gods priests and prophets that make up oppressive governments is usually done in a manner that resembles the events that took place during the french revolution of 1789 The American Revolution of 1776, we should remember, was motivated by a faith-based view of humanity and desired freedom from governmental oppression. Also, the French Revolution was bad is a galaxy brain take. Yeah, that is something else. 
Its aim, this is talking about the American Revolution, its aim was to recognize freedom based on innate human worth, absolute truth, and a morality underpinned by Judeo-Christian values that contained checks and balances to prevent any abuse of power. Are we really trying to argue that, like, the founders of America, like, the revolutionists cared about human life? <laughs> Are um, you really trying to argue the slave that? owners? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slave owners apparently, and colonialists cared about innate human life. Is that mm-hmm. really? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I I also I truly like I was not I was not prepared for this guy has a whole section about how like the French Revolution was terrible and like Voltaire was actually really dangerous to society and that like Descartes and Locke and like all these people who have given us like the foundation of Western society as we know it were actually like sinners. Like I genuinely I cannot describe how unhinged this article is but i am going to read you the last passage from it which i feel like is is going to really like really put a cap on this and really sum it up so let's let's remember this was written in march 2020 (laughs) the two primary weapons employed by these movements are the lie and violence History has shown that the tongue of communist and leftist governments and their enablers is forked and patterned after their spiritual father. Whenever he, he being the devil, speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's John 8:44. Witness the current COVID-19 lies and cover-up from communist China as just one of countless examples. Oh my god. <laughs> So this is another one of those things that just like challenges my faith in humanity, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think what's so frustrating about it though is like not only is it like stupid and logically unsound, it's also so familiar. Like I have had that exact conversation with many people mm-hmm. and yeah. maybe like not in those exact terms, mm-hmm. but like I've had a lot of people be like, "Oh, the communists are all liars and like yeah. and you can't trust them because they're a communist country." And it's like, do communists not also deserve to be alive? Like like does no, the fact that China has a communist government innate, the innate value <laughs> of human life because we're <laughs> a Christian country and that's the yeah. only thing that matters even though we're literally not a Christian country we're yeah oh my god <laughs> um, um, the um lies and violence like mm-hmm. what was that exactly describing it was the two primary weapons employed by the movements of communists by communist movements are lie and vi- lies and violence which okay. I, that doesn't sound familiar at all so <laughs> no I like it's uh I don't know. I don't even think we have to say because it's so obvious that that's like isn't that what Fox News like runs on? Yeah, you know? True. <laughs> anyway, very true. Um all right. So now we're going to talk about the leader who was very influential in the way that Americans perceive communism. And I would like you to guess who it is. 
It's a Christian leader? It's a Christian leader. Like a church leader? Like... Yes. Although that's not what he's most famous for. Is it Reagan? No. <laughs> it's a <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, fascinating. Okay, okay. So I was totally so, on the wrong track. <laughs> yeah, so you were going in a in a way that's that was like predictable. I also yeah. did not expect Martin Luther King Jr. to come up. So no. Okay. Actually, Ooh, a lot of the modern Christian anti-communist ideology which seems to transcend politics can be traced back to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, because Dr. King was often called a communist in his day, and he had to continually defend himself. So he had actually studied communism on his own while at seminary, and he confessed in a letter to his future wife, Coretta Scott King, that he was more socialistic than capitalistic in his beliefs, although he was not entirely opposed to capitalism. So... In 1952, he began preaching on communism's challenge to Christianity, and then in, an, in a sermon delivered at Ebenezer Baptist Church in 1962, which Dr. King would repeat throughout his career, Dr. King asserted that communism and Christianity were fundamentally incompatible, and there were three main reasons that he was opposed to communism. So this is like an incredible simplica- simplification of his sermon, which you can find online wherever you want, but um, very simply... A, communism is based on materialistic views of humanity and rejects the divine. B, communism is based on ethical relativism and accepts no moral absolutes. And he says here that Christianity refuses that ends justify destructive means, which is a take. Yeah. But... (laughs) um, And then he says, C, that communism attributes ultimate value to the state. However, in the same sermon, Dr. King also asserts that communism has good and valuable teachings which are actually in line with Christianity. He points out that Karl Marx was Jewish and that his parents were both from rabbinic stock and therefore must have been familiar with Hebrew scripture and that they converted to Christianity when Marx was six. So Dr. King says communism has much in common with Jesus's concern for the cause of the poor, the exploited, and the disinherited. He also says that Christians and communists are united in their pursuit of social justice and the abolition of racism. He criticizes the church for being content to mouth pious irrelevancies and sanctimonious trivialities. It has often been so absorbed in a future good over yonder that it forgets the present evils down here. Uh, He says that any religion that professes to be concerned with the souls of men and yet is not concerned with the economic and social conditions that strangle them and the social conditions that cripple them is the kind the Marxist describes as an opiate of the people. Um, Eventually, he concludes that neither capitalism nor communism is the solution and each represent only a partial truth. So... In 1962, the FBI also investigated Dr. King due to his associations with a few alleged communists, although the findings were inconclusive and nothing happened. In 1963, the Kennedy administration had him fire an SCL. SCLC employee Jack O'Dell after the FBI alleged that he was a communist. King also agreed to cease direct communication with his friend and closest white advisor Stanley Levison, although he eventually resumed contact with him in March 1965. The the FBI surveilled and bugged and tracked King's political associations. Um, 
and so they were they were like on him and for context this is like in the middle of the civil rights movement so he's basically being called a communist because he cares about civil rights um um can i comment on um... i i am i have one more thing to share and then i'm gonna ask you what you think So King also decried America's morbid fear of communism, arguing that it prevented people from embracing a revolutionary spirit and declaring eternal opposition to poverty, racism, and militarism. Okay, what are your thoughts? Okay, so not that I agree with everything, Mm -hmm. like, like with his whole take on communism and capitalism, Mm -hmm. but this is the kind of, like, nuanced conversation that like I wish we could have yeah right you know of course this like isn't very well known like this view of his Mm -hmm. isn't very well known because like it has the kind of nuance that like Christian capitalists can't handle for some reason and like why can't we just have one conversation and they're like oh i'm just asking questions i just want to (laughs) ask they don't they never want to have a conversation they just want to yell at you and it's like yeah (sighs) okay but anyway nuance (laughs) great (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, agree there are i agree there are so many ways that like christianity can like coexist with capitalism or not capital no 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 Mm -hmm. with communism Mm -hmm. um there are so many ways that those like work together and Mm -hmm. i understand like christians fear of it because of the rhetoric that karl marx and like his contemporaries were using around Mm -hmm. like killing christianity and killing religion you know yeah, um, just doing away with those. I don't think that they have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah. Um, one thing that like really really puzzles me, and maybe I, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I don't know the definition of capitalism well enough. <laughs> but I don't understand how like Christians can be like logically. Why are they so obsessed with capitalism? Like, I know politically how that came to be, but I'm like, I guess also politically, like, I'm trying not to be too, like, (laughs) offensive here, I guess, but (laughs) critical thinking, like, isn't Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, Yeah. But I just, if they were to take a step back and think about it, like, which of the two movements, and we, as... Dr. King um, exemplified, like, we don't have to pick one to Mm -hmm. have a conversation about it, but, like, if you were to just take a step back and look at both and weigh, like, which one settles better with Christianity, like, how could it be capitalism? (laughs) Yeah, truly. (laughs) Those are my thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, I think that it comes back to the concept of civil religion that we've discussed before because like yeah logically it doesn't they don't really mesh at all and and I mean personally I don't fully agree with sort of communist ideals I think it's important to study and read as part of history Mm -hmm. but like I don't I, I truly don't understand like 
if you because i guess like uh, politically i would i would consider myself somebody who leans very left but i like hesitate to call myself a leftist mostly because most of the people i know that do that are annoying um (laughs) and but like i definitely like lean lean more left in my political leadings and um like but when you talk to people who like consider themselves full communists it's like like Karl Marx is their god and I'm like why why are we stuck on something that was written in 1848 like Karl Marx didn't know what a laptop is like his (laughs) his his framework has valuable things in it but we're actually allowed to evolve and we're allowed to build this also really irritates me when people talk about like second wave feminism being like non-inclusive i'm like yes because it was literally in a different world like and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it's not important it means that it is a building block in which we move forward from not like we don't have to throw the whole thing out because they didn't address one specific experience like right um we can recognize that and it's really valuable to recognize and talk about yeah we yeah we just don't have to like cancel things yeah (laughs) whole whole cloth you know Uh so yeah very much no i fully agree that's like also how i feel about like communism and the way that people think about it yeah modernly and I, and I think, like, Dr. King has, like, one of the best, most nuanced positions on it I've ever read. But, of course, that's not what people talk about. They're like, well, can't be a Christian and a communist. That's what I take away from this. Yeah. And that's, like, not even really what he said. Like, no. I mean, he kind of did say it, but he was like you can't be a Christian and a communist and here's why I think that but also we have to study communism in order to understand it and here are the good things in communism that like and I, but people are just like nope I I do not see it like yeah and so like, to be fair based on Marxist communism you can't really be a Christian and a communist that's so true like, that's true but I also don't think yeah. like I don't think imagine okay imagine if we currently lived under the very old system of like English kings, right? Like I'm talking yeah. like uh, Richard the Lionhearted or whatever his name was. Like, why is everything else allowed to evolve, but political theory is not? Like, it just yeah. doesn't make sense to me. Um, so. Um, As we talked about in last episode, Russia and a lot of Eastern Europe is currently experiencing a religious revival, which I'd just like to make a point um, that this is currently being used to justify a lot of wars. So Mm. President Vladimir Putin has actually encouraged the religious revival, and he's also benefited from it, both at home and abroad. Putin explained that Russians' intervention in the Syrian civil war was designed to protect Christians from the Islamic State. Not only has the Orthodox Church supported that holy war, but so have some American evangelicals who are likewise concerned about Christians in the Middle East and praise Putin's socially conservative policies. <laughs> I don't even have the energy to like respond to that. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> So, 
Um, in in some ways, I would just like to make the point that Russia's religious revival, re- religious revival, although communism has kind of been considered the enemy for a long time, like my general takeaway is that I think communism and colonialism and Christianity and col- like colonialism, like I would say, I would actually consider communism more of like a religion than a social theory um and i think that they've both been used to justify nationalism and expansionism and colonialism and a lot of the same ways like they've been used in the same ways and they're like two sides of the same coin and one of them is like god is the reason we're doing this and the other one is like god is not the reason we're doing this (laughs) and they're just fighting about (laughs) yeah which one is true Yes. So that's like my takeaway from all this research. And that is the end of my research. So what what are your takeaways from this? Yeah, I like, I mean, I fully agree with you <laughs> <laughs> on like pretty much every point you said about your takeaways. Um, not that helpful to say, so I'll go into a little <laughs> more <right>. detail. <laughs> but um, I don't know, not to be like, such an evangelical for nuance but <laughs> i mean i feel like if you're going to be an evangelical for anything nuance is a good thing to pick i love nuance i'm obsessed with it i just wish Same. that everyone like it's just so valuable i think because like the people that we disagree with tend to be like loudly mm-hmm. um not nuanced yeah <laughs> like their opinions have no nuance from what we hear from them we feel like we don't have to or like no more like we do have to do away with nuance to get our point across Mm. but the more that we can incorporate not necessarily like a both sides (laughs) like definitely not a both sides kind of discussion but more of just an understanding of like where people are coming from, mm-hmm. what's driving their views and their passion for their views, mm-hmm. and then examining what's driving our passion for our views and trying to find some common ground between those while yeah. also being very clear about like our own boundaries, I guess. You know, yeah. like things that we're yeah. not willing to compromise on, mm-hmm. like for example, racism homophobia Mm -hmm. you know i'm like really getting on my soapbox here (laughs) that's okay (laughs) but um there are some things that are just not gonna fly (laughs) Mm -hmm. but there are other things that we can have really honest nuanced conversations about so i agreed i guess i kind of i went off the rails a little (laughs) there but i think you did there are my political views (laughs) yeah great um yeah as for what we can do about it i didn't write anything down because i don't really think there's anything we can do about communism but i'm just gonna echo (laughs) meg that i think we should aim to be as nuanced as possible and uh if you are presented with an argument with which you disagree read the whole argument or even one with which you agree like Mm -hmm. like take the time think about it evaluate it critically evaluate it and if you come down on still on disagreeing that's fine but like read the whole article or read the whole argument um 
et cetera, I guess et cetera. Like, if you want to have an effective argument, make sure you're not missing anything Critical about the pieces. opposing side. Yeah, you know, very like, much. Don't let there be any holes in your argument that someone could jump onto and be like, oh, but what about this? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, very much. Be very thorough and also open to like changing your mind about things. Yeah. Our advice episode. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> also, here's a fun fact for you the Soviet Union in Russian, Sovietsky Soyuz, Soviet means advice in Russian. Ooh, it really is our advice episode. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, that's it for this episode. I hope you awesome. have learned some things about communism. Definitely. Um, yeah. And about Martin Luther King. Yeah. Friend of Who the knew? cast. Friend of the cast. I, I, do, <laughs> I do think, like, although I don't agree with everything Dr. King has said ever, I, like, think that he is one of the more exemplary people that we've talked about on this podcast. Definitely. Um, and I think that, like, to embrace someone doesn't mean to... Um, embrace every single one of their views true god yeah love you mom (laughs) did you say love you mom yeah that's just who i was (laughs) thinking about when you said that um (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah, so if you want to support the pod, you can follow us, you can leave us a review you can find us on twitter and instagram email us join our discord I think that's everything. I think so. Yeah. Maybe one of these days we'll have a Patreon. We'll see. Yeah. All right. May May your your thoughts thoughts stay stay dirty. dirty. Bye. Bye.